Hello and welcome to the UN Forest Podcast. I am Jodian Wong, your host for this episode. I am a young professional working at the intersection of climate finance and environmental justice. I lead the Commonwealth Youth Climate Change Network, and I'm a strong advocate for intergenerational equity in climate policy making. And today, I will take you on a journey about forests and wildfires. Thank you for being here. The world is once again on fire. If you have checked the news at any given time over the summer this year, surely you have seen reports of wildfires. Every year, forest fires set new records, with a dramatic start to its wildfire season and smokes that wrapped New York City in a cloud of smog. Canada, my home country, has officially marked its worst wildfire season on record, burning a staggering 25 million acres this year. Five of the six largest fires in California history have occurred in 2022. And the catastrophic wildfires that burned eucalyptus forests in Australia in the summer of 2019 to 2020 were unprecedented in their scale and in their intensity. In India, the forest fires of 2021 were the strongest in the past 15 years, and with more than 750,000 hectares of land burned across EU countries last year, that's an area more than double the size of Luxembourg. 2022. Was a record year in Europe. Although climate change cannot be solely blamed for forest fires, the climate crisis is leading to increasingly hot and dry conditions that help blazes spread faster, burn longer, and rage more intensely. What is even more troubling is that fires are just one piece of the climate feedback loop. Increased global emissions lead to higher temperatures. Which then create drier, more fire-prone conditions. With more fires come more emissions, fueling climate change and perpetuating the entire cycle. All of this has contributed to summer wildfire seasons that last 40 to 80 days longer, on average, than 30 years ago. But climate change isn't the only cause of fires. Sadly, it is humans who continue to be at the origin of most of them. In Europe alone, more than nine out of ten fires are caused by human activity, including arson, disposable barbecues, electricity lines, or littered glass. Now, this paints somewhat of a very bleak perspective for our forests. Should we expect a massive increase in forest fires? Is there really nothing we can do to reverse this trend? Can we control wildfires, or do we have to learn to live with them? Can we say eliminate the human factor and at least reduce the risk of forest fires and the tremendous material and human damages caused? What can we learn from indigenous fire practices that provide positive, healthy impacts on land, vegetation, animals, and people? Let us explore this topic further and learn from an expert in this field. Mr. Jesus Samiguel is our expert today. Mr. Samiguel works at the European Commission Joint Research Center in Ispra, Italy, 
in the field of forestry and coordinates and leads the development of the European Forest Fire Information System and the Global Wildfire Information System. Welcome to the UN Forest Podcast, Mr. San Miguel. Good morning to all the listeners. I would like to thank you very much for having me in this podcast. And it is for me a pleasure to be here with you today addressing this important issue that is forest fires or wildfires at the European and also at the global scale. Well, it's certainly fantastic to have you here with us today and to discuss such a critical and pertinent issue. Extremely high temperatures, drought, and wildfire records make the headlines every single summer. But there seems to be a trend towards more fires year after year. Should we expect a massive increase in forest fires in the coming years? What are some of the factors that are fueling this trend? It is true that we've seen the trends towards more fires every year. And if conditions continue the way they are, we should expect to continue having this type of fires, especially since 2016. We have had the unprecedented fires uh, every year in different regions of the world. In 2016, 17, it was Chile, then also Portugal in the same year. Then we had 2019, 20, a lot of fires in the Amazon, Australia, uh, 21 in Europe, uh, 22 again in Europe, uh, with very dramatic uh, fire seasons. The factors that uh, that accelerate this trend is clearly uh, the climate. We are observing a climate change continuously. We have data for around 40 years, and we can easily see the changes in fire danger conditions. Fire danger conditions in this year, for instance, well, last year, 2022, in Central Europe, were above any other fire danger conditions in the previous 41 years. So we are experiencing, experiencing conditions that we have not seen in the past. In addition, we have another factor, and that is the accumulation of fuels on the ground. The lack of uh, management in some of the forests in Europe or areas that were abandoned for agriculture and are now colonized by forests, those are uh, grounds for fires to start and to continue with a high intensity. With that trend towards higher frequency and intensity of fires, one question does come to my mind. What can we do to reverse this trend? Can we not, say, work towards eliminating the human factor and start educating people more effectively, perhaps starting with the younger generations? As you mentioned, one of the factors on which we can work is the human factors. Uh, around 96% of the fires that are caused in Europe, in the European Union territory, are caused by humans, either accidentally or the, deliberately by arsons. So, we definitely need to work on uh, educating the younger generations. But not only. We have to work in, with the whole society. We need to educate teenagers, adults, and also we need to educate people that live in fire-prone areas because those are the ones that suffer the fire and they need to know how to behave in the case of uh, fires. Uh, there are other factors that we cannot change. We cannot change the weather. We cannot change the climate. We cannot, 
we may eventually be able to reverse uh, climate change if the, the emissions uh, go down in, in the next years. But there are factors on which we can work. And one of them is definitely reducing the number of fire ignitions, which is one of the main components of fire danger. And then uh, training uh, people that are uh, living in, in areas where uh, they have hired uh, fires every year. I'm very glad that you resonate with the need to educate and build capacity amongst all people, but especially young people, so we collectively can strengthen our generational knowledge around wildfires and prevent human-caused ignitions where possible. It's so important, and I'm really glad you're highlighting that. All of this is very interesting, Mr. Samigal. Thank you. Now, I understand that we can mitigate the human factors because, as you say, wildfires will always be present in our lives. But will we ever be able to control wildfires or do we simply have to learn how to live with them? We will definitely live with fires. Fires have always existed and they will continue to exist. So we cannot dream of uh, having a, a world without fires. What we can do is learn to live with fires. Fires is, fire is a tool that has been used by generations and generations of humans to clear the land, to, to remove uh, vegetation, to ad adequate uh, pa pastures uh, for cattle, and they will continue doing so. What we need to do is work with uh, in rural communities, educating people on when they can set fires and when these fires that are set may become very difficult fires to extinguish if they escape. But uh, what we cannot do is exclude fires from the ecosystems. And this has been one of the major mistakes that humans have done. We have been trying to stop every single fire that existed, that occurred in vegetation. And what has happened is that the amount of fuels have been accumulating during years. And now when we have a fire, the intensity of this fire is much higher than if the cycle of fires were shorter. Um, it is good to have fire if the fire is under control. It is not good to have uh, the fires that uh, we are currently having with a very high intensity, which are nearly impossible to control and which are ca causing a lot of economic uh, and human uh, damages. I understand that we cannot eliminate the risk of forest fires, but more frequent blazes that are prescribed actually prevent large-scale fires. But from what we have seen across the world, from Australia to Hawaii to Greece and to Canada with wildfire smokes pouring down the continent across countries, we've really been experiencing wildfires firsthand. 
and the threat that they pose on ecosystems, on people, and on communities. The consequences of these wildfires are absolutely devastating. What can we do to at least reduce these risks and the damages caused by fires? We can um, definitely uh, reduce the the amount of risk or the level of risk uh, to forest fires that we have now. And when computing fire risk, we have two main components. One is fire danger. And in fire danger, we can work, as we mentioned before, on reducing ignitions from humans. That would uh, ameliorate the conditions for fire danger. We cannot work on, on weather or topography, which are other components, but uh, we can work on fuels. We can reduce the amount of fuels uh, that are on, on the ground by using these fuels for um, biomass or looking for applications on the use of these fuels. But we cannot maintain the forests as they are now with a lot of accumulation of wood that when a fire occurs, uh, create a fire of high intensity. The other component on, of fire risk on which we can work is exposure and vulnerability. We can definitely uh, reduce exposure by not uh, having constructions, human dwellings in areas which we know are very prone to forest fires and which we know that sooner or later will burn. And we can reduce the vulnerability of the people by educating people, as we mentioned before, training them to escape from fires when they occur, and also by uh, using materials in building the houses in fire-prone areas that are not combustible, so that they would not burn if a fire occurs. Those are fairly easy solutions that we can take to reduce the risk of forest fires. Yes, so that wildfires are destructive forces, that's very clear. However, from what I understand, forest fires do also have a positive side that we cannot forget about. And cultural burns practiced by indigenous peoples, for example, and prescribed blazes can actually contribute to creating healthy forests. It might seem counterintuitive that a fire which burns plant life and endangers animals within an ecosystem could actually promote ecological health. And yet, this is how nature works, isn't it? Could you tell us a bit more about that? In fact, uh, wildfires are very destructive, but fire itself should not be taken always in a negative sense. As we mentioned before, fire is a tool that has been used by generations of humans to do different types of uh, agriculture or uh, cattle ranging uh, practices such as clearing vegetation, or uh, removing excess of vegetation in areas that were dedicated to uh, cattle raising. In addition to that, uh, there are many species that depend on, on fires to sprout or uh, to regrow from seeds. So after a fire, those are the conditions that this type of species need to, uh, again, to regrow and to recover, even to expand in the area they, they work. In addition, the, um, the fire itself, if it is not a fire with a very high intensity, it helps uh, clearing the land and leaving a space for a species to, to grow and to, for a species to colonize. So in, in ecological terms, fire is 
in many cases a benefit. The problem we have is that the fires we are having are not uh, natural fires, and that these fires are not occurring in natural landscapes. The landscape we have in Europe has been altered by humans for many, many years, and the fires are now happening in areas in which the distribution of species and the ecosystems are not natural ecosystems. And in general, they tend to be um, full of uh, combustible, combustible material of fuels that help uh, fires to increase in intensity and to spread uh, very fast. And these are not natural fires. So what we need to do is try to um, avoid these critical fires that have a behavior that is very damaging for ecosystems and also for human assets, and try to go back to the type of natural fires that had a fairly a quick cycle, so they happened every year and are beneficial for the vegetation and also for the humans living in these areas. Wildfires are a natural event in wildlands all around the world. As urban areas continue to expand, more and more homes and people are exposed to fires and we have to accept them as part of the landscape, despite the threat that they pose. And yet, in the aftermath of a major wildfire, it is extremely difficult to appreciate the regenerative power of the fire itself. Forests will in time heal themselves, but what about communities? Many residents will face the challenges of recovering from wildfires. Some will decide to rebuild their home and their lives, and others instead will leave the area. Recovering, healing, and rebuilding can take years, and it inevitably affects a whole community. As wildfires set new records every year, it is more and more important to be smart about where and how to build our communities and how we manage the risk of a possible second rebuilding after another fire incident, which might be a future possibility. It is very likely that when in one or two decades, we look back to our current fire seasons and they might seem mild by comparison. To conclude, let's now hear from Ms. Dida, Director of Forest, Land and Housing Division at the United Nations Economic Commission for Europe on the work of the Commission on Forest Management. Ms. Dida, over to you. Thank you, Judianne, and thank you, Mr. San Miguel. I truly enjoy listening to the insights, the stories and explanations on this fascinating topic. I would like to reiterate two very important messages. First, that the reality of wildfires is much more complex than what we usually see or hear on the news. And second, that wildfires cannot be eliminated. Because of this, how we cope and live with them is not only the task of fire brigades or foresters, but our common duty. Here at the United Nations Economic Commission for Europe and together with countries, we work on making forests healthy and resilient. There are no fireproof forests, but the way they are managed and protected can significantly reduce the risk of fire and its magnitude. Unfortunately, we can expect that the threat posed by fires will increase as our climate changes. Forests are long living but struggle to adapt and take a very long time to do so. And much, however, can be achieved through managing them 
wisely. A UNIC will therefore support countries in restoring forest landscapes, not only to establish new forests, but also reinforce existing ones. We cannot forget that still about three-fourths of forest fires are induced by humans. We can and must change our own behavior and choices in our everyday life. For instance, we should avoid any activities that involve fire or sparks when it's hot, dry and windy. If we want to enjoy the light and warmth of a campfire, we must make sure we build it in a safe way. Don't burn leaves, agricultural waste or other materials in your private property and categorically avoid burning anything if it's windy. These simple precautions go a long way towards lowering the risk of wildfire. I would like to thank our host Jody Ann Wang and our guest uh, Jesus San Miguel for today's episode. And let me say thank you to the Swiss Federal Office for the Environment and the Finnish Ministry of Agriculture and Forestry for funding the production of our podcast series, The UN Forest Podcast. And thank you, listeners, for joining us today. Goodbye.